we need to take care of our health. Our health is our biggest wealth that you cannot buy, that you cannot change, that you can't do anything about it. You don't have it, right? So that's kind of what I try to help my patients to achieve. Yes, we have different ambitions. Yes, we have our careers. We have our family. But we need to take care and love ourselves first before we're able to do things for other people. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse, is all these things too. Welcome to The Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply, so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Goddess of Crypto. I have with me today, Dr. Natalia Fazilova. She believes that women's wealth is directly connected to women's health. And I want to talk to her today and hear all about this. We had an amazing conversation a couple of weeks ago when we first met, and I couldn't wait to get her on the show. So I am very excited to kick off the January health and wellness part of your money with Dr. Natalia. Welcome. We're super happy to have you here. Hello, everyone. And hello, Haley. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I hope I would be able to share a lot of insight how you could be wealthy, but you have to be healthy as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like what caused you to make this connection between wealth and what caused you to decide that this was something that you wanted to make into your life's work? First, let me kind of tell a little bit of what I do and it will click and kind of connect on what I try to share with people. What is my message in life with my clients, with my patients and with my whole family, basically. So my background is I'm a doctor and we have a clinic in Manhattan in New York City. Our clinic is focused on wellness. It focuses on anti-aging and beauty. And I've been doing it for past 10 years, even more so. And what I've noticed when I was dealing with my patients, patients come in, especially in New York, we are busy, everybody's striving and has a lot of ambitions and we're running, running, running and trying to achieve what we want in life. But our health seems to be put on the back burner, especially if you have family, you have kids, you're trying to get your career rolling. And I was one of that type of person myself. So I was going to school, taking care of the family, working at the same time, kind of busy lifestyle. So I had a lot to learn myself first. How do I keep a balance? How do I make sure that my health remains up, that I'm upbeat and I'm kind of able to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish? And that's what made me thinking, how do I implement it in my own lifestyle, which I did. And eventually I wrote a book about it. I have a book called Health and Wellness for Busy Women, where I share my knowledge, my experience and give tips and tricks of how to be healthy while you're trying to accomplish your wealth, while you're trying to get to the point in life where you're going to reach your goals, reach your ambitions. And that's how it all started. So it became a mission. And a lot of my clients that come to the clinic, that's what I help them to do. They come in, they start having different symptoms. Maybe they're tired, exhausted, upset, depressed, 
whatever it is, we go through different stages in life and our hormonal changes come into play as well. So I teach them, how do you maintain that balance? Because no matter how much wealth you acquire, if you're not healthy, and I think it was Stephen Jobs that even who said, I got so much in life, I achieved so much at, at the end, my health unfortunately suffered and I unfortunately he passed away, but it's a good example. We need to take care of our health. Our health is our biggest wealth that you cannot buy, that you cannot change, that you can't do anything about if you don't have it, right? So that's kind of what I try to help my patients to achieve. Yes, we have different ambitions. Yes, we have our careers. We have our family. But we need to take care and love ourselves first before we're able to do things for other people. Yes, that is very, very true. I always say, like you're not the last spoke on your wheel of all the things that you have to do. You're actually the center hub. And when the center of the wheel is wobbly, nothing else works. But if I ask a client in my coaching practice, if I ask a client, let's create a wheel and I want you to put everything that you do, your family, your work, your pets, your kids, your aging parents, all the different pieces, put all of that onto a wheel, the last spoke of the wheel will be like self-care. It's never like self-care first or, and then nobody says, oh, I'm the center of the wheel. They just think in terms of those spokes. And so that's a very important distinction to make when you realize that when that center of the wheel wobbles, I mean, people are like, oh, it's my kids. I'm working super hard for my kids. But of course, we know from generations of kids who felt neglected that children pick up on their parents' stresses, they're picking up on their parents' work ethics, they're picking up on that constant push, push, push for what we call the American dream. And when they get to the other side of that, they're recreating those situations over and over. And women especially, and I'm sure you can speak to this further, but I know that a lot of women are told that they have autoimmune diseases, they have diseases that don't make any sense. Like the doctors have no reason, no really even diagnosis and no cure. And I have often made that connection energetically to the amount of stress that people are going through and to the idea that it is not acceptable for us to take time off, to be healthy. We have to get sick in order to take time off. It's why like, it really bothers me that with insurance, they don't really cover a lot of wellness treatment, which is preventative. They mostly cover when something goes wrong. So if I'm just going to the doctor for a checkup, or I'm just going to the doctor to have an annual exam, they'll cover it. But if I want to go to the doctor to maintain or improve my existing good health, that's not covered in any way. It's why it's so hard to get people to cover chiropractic or acupuncture or any of the other holistic treatments because those are wellness treatments more than they are illness treatments. So what do you think about that? Well, you kind of nail it. That's a big part of my practice. I'm out of network. I don't accept insurances because at the beginning when I did, I had a lot of restriction. They don't cover for this. They don't cover for that. And it's not the way I want to practice medicine. I would like to prevent diseases from happening. And a lot of them are preventable. So what we do, we do functional and integrative medicine. 
we do preventative medicine or we call it anti-aging. There's so many words that are being used, but the goal is why do you want to wait until something is broken trying to fix it? If you know or can prevent something, isn't it going to be better to do it beforehand? Because it's always easier to prevent than fix something that's already broken, right? And that's what we do now practice. That's the whole goal. The name of our clinic is Rebalance, which is an interesting name. And we do rebalance hormones. We rebalance the sugars. It's interesting. It just came out, I guess, as you, I know you're very spiritual myself too. It was just the name that spoke to me and that's what I chose it. And I know that we chose the right name because most of the things that we do, we try to rebalance things. So it works harmoniously. It works in a tandem of everything that you do. And we're talking about spiritual, we're talking about mental health, mental well-being and mind and body connection as well. And one thing that you mentioned that plays a huge role is the stress. Because what happened when our body, and people think about stress like emotional stress, it's not only emotional stress, it's all the physical stress, the chemical stress that we unfortunately exposed to. Even the cell phones, all the radiation that comes from our cell phone, that's a type of stress too. And our body usually tries to fight it to protect us. And if you are bombarded with stress from emotional stress, from dealing with the relationship issues, maybe it's a work-related stress, plus physiological, we don't sleep enough, we don't eat healthy food, all of it eventually accumulates and start affecting our body in different ways. A stress hormone is cortisol that gets released. It affects our female hormones like estrogen and progesterone. In males, it starts affecting their testosterone. So sexual wellness is a big part of our practice. A lot of patients that come in, they have developed already issues with their hormones, females or males, and it's affecting their life. And part of it is the stress that they expose to, multiple stresses. So First thing that we usually do, there's actually a test to check your cortisol levels and your stress level. So we'll check it first, then we check all the other hormones. We check, obviously, cholesterol and all the other stuff. We do like a full panel of multiple tests to see where things coming from. And once we start balancing things out, people feel less anxious. We teach them how to deal with stress and kind of we do IV drips, we do supplements, different protocols, individualized-based protocol. We help them to center themselves, mind, body, so everything is connected. They get centered, they get relaxed, they choose what's more important for them in life, which should be me first and then everybody else, right? And then based on that, we're able to build them, not to give them a quick fix. Here's the pill, you take it, it's going to fix you all the problems and everything's going to go away. No, we teach them how do you change your lifestyle So you don't only start feeling better, you maintain that feeling and you continue to be healthy and work on getting the wealth that you're trying to achieve. So it's like a whole set. Yeah. So let's talk about how you feel like health affects money. Like how do you feel that trickle down works? I have my own opinion, so I want to hear yours first. Well, think about it. If you are not feeling well, what kind of energy you're giving to the universe of you putting to universe, right? It all comes back. The more negative you send out the message, I don't know, whatever you believe in, it's a God, it's a universe, whatever it is, whatever higher power that we have there. And I know someone is there or something is there. How much negative you output, that's how much negative you unfortunately get back. So the more positive you are, the more optimistic you are, which usually comes from feeling well, from having energy, 
I feel like a lot of things going to come back and reciprocate and mirror what you output and that's going to come back. At least that's what in my experience. I mean, the more giving I am and the more positive I am, it usually comes back. Maybe not immediately, maybe not the same day, but eventually I do get all the positivity back from what I send out. If you are healthy, if you feel the energy, if you feel that you could accomplish a lot and give it to the world, it's all going to come back to you and you're going to be more successful. I deal with a lot of people who we have a lot of clients that come, let's say, from Wall Street or we are in the neighborhood that we have a lot of lawyers' offices and financial offices. So people who work in the high paying or wealthy environment, but they're so stressed, they don't even appreciate what they have and what they're getting back. They're so depressed or maybe not in a good mood. So whatever they're trying to achieve, they do not even enjoy the achievements that they get in life. And that's the main part. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, it's extra stress that you add to yourself as well, compared to someone who is healthy, feels good, and able to enjoy and achieve what they're trying to do. So when you start researching money in regards to humanity, one of the things that you'll see pretty quickly is that when it comes to money, we actually have a very poor attitude. We have a very skewed attitude about the value of money. Money is elevated to the point of religious fervor. Money is elevated to the point where people will steal for it. They will commit murder for it. Honestly, there's entire countries that have been murdered over money and certainly individuals. And there are a ton of examples in our history about that. I'm probably not telling you anything new. But when you start looking at it from that lens of how we treat our money and how it becomes worshipped and how it becomes the thing we give our power to, and then it has power over us. And this happened during the stock market crash. It happened during of 1939. It happened during the internet stock market crash. It happened again during the crypto stock market crash of this past year of 2022. People commit suicide because they lose their fortune. And to me, that is the worst travesty because money that came to you belongs to you and you can get it back. Money that came to you can be returned to you. It's just not going to necessarily come through the same path. It's a matter, like, let's back up. You're absolutely right, Dr. Natalia. I'm very spiritual and you know this, and so do my listeners, I hope, at this point. So let's just revisit, though, money from spiritual principles. Money is energy. That is it. It is energy. Everything is energy. This conversation is energy. What Dr. Natalia and I are wearing is energy. The TV behind her is energy. Everything in this room, this orange chair is energy. When you get down into the molecules and beyond the molecules, at the atoms and the atoms, the building blocks of everything are just energy. And money is no different than that. And remember, it was Einstein who said, actually, no, isn't it one of the laws of physics? Energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transmuted. Yes. I was going to give the credit to Einstein, but I think it's like a physical law. So the idea of that means that what is this chair can be your money. What is this conversation can be your money. And it just depends on how we see it. 
we see this share is solid. It is not solid, not when you get down into the building blocks of it. So when you think of money as energy that can be transmuted into something else, it can also be transmuted into money. And when it comes to our connection to that, we are energy too. And everything at the highest levels is all one. And what we tend to do is we go, hey, this is our everything bucket. Like my bucket is really good. I have a lot of luck and I'm a good person and I have this relationship and I have this business. And then over here is our money bucket. And what I tell people a lot when I coach is that's an illusion because your money bucket is your everything bucket. And the truth is there's no bucket. So because everything is energy, even the bucket itself. So we tend to give the power to this is my money and there's something wrong with it. This is my health and there's something wrong with it. These two things aren't equal and that's not true. They are the same. And one of the mentors that I studied under T. Harv Ecker, only T stands for the, so we could just call him Harv. Anyway, Harv says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think that's true kind of at the higher level that how we are is how we are, right? Because it's all one thing. So when our health is out of balance, I love the name of your clinic, by the way, like rebalance, of course, because when your health is out of balance, it affects everything else in your life. When you are worshiping money, your energy is taken not just by the acquisition of money, but by the lack of money. You have energy going towards this belief system that you don't have enough, that you are not sourced from within, and that your enoughness will come from the outside. And when we start telling that story, we are telling the story of how we are not enough inside. And instead of being sourced from that center, we become sourced from how much our bank account says. And then when our bank account balance goes down or when our crypto stocks fall or whatever, we now have the story that we aren't good enough. And now we're in this place where we have lack and we continue to perpetuate that story of lack. So how can healing our wellness help heal our sense of lack and help rebalance and recenter us? I feel like, especially, and I notice it a lot at New York, you don't see it that much when you travel outside, and I might be wrong, but I'm talking from experience. I think it's how much value you put in in what you have. What is the value of money in your life? And what is actually more valuable to you? Is it your family? Is it your health? Is it the money that you're making? Like that's, I think it's, that's off, unfortunately, right now here. I recently traveled to Israel. My sister lives there. My niece was getting married. So I went for a wedding and it's something made me realize they live a totally different life. Their values are different. They don't have that much wealth. They don't have such a luxury like we have here, but they're still happy. And I look at them was like, they don't have half of the things that I have. And I'm looking even at my relatives, but they're very close. Like the values that really matter in life is different to values that matter to us. And that made me think back, like, how come they're happy without even having the luxuries and what money could bring to you as compared to us? 
they're constantly striving to get more and to get more and to get more. But I see miserable people. Like, what's going on? I think it's value that you put in in money that makes a big difference. Plus, you said, how do we center it all back? Again, if you are happy inside, if you have values that you think in life you have and you acquire them, and I've noticed it a lot when I talk to people who are successful, people who really achieve money, and you think about it, oh, they're so lucky, and I hear it, oh, you're so lucky you have this, or you're so lucky. No, when I talk to those people and I, when I ask them questions, a lot of them, how should I say it? There is a saying, the rich person is not that has a lot, the rich person that thinks that he has enough. And that was my grandma saying, actually. And it made me think like, when am I going to stop and think that I have enough? I'm not saying that I'm not ambitious. I'm not saying that our clinic, it's a 6,000 square feet clinic. It's a huge place. So we have multiple things in it, considering successful and considering going and offering. But is that something that was my goal to get that much, such a big space? Or is it something that I could achieve and give more and give back? How do I help myself to get centered? Where do I put my values in? Is my goal to get the clinic, be successful and get more and more money? Or is my goal to achieve something in my life that I could give back? Am I valuing my knowledge and the help that I could give to people? Or am I valuing the steps and how much money and income that my clinic makes every month or every year or whatever it is? So it kind of helped me to shift my goal because when I just started, I was that driven, oh, I need to make enough money to pay the rent. I need to make enough money to pay my employees. So my goal is how do I make more money without what that money represents to me? Is it the value that I was trying to achieve? And about a year later, and the first year as any business, I was struggling a lot. I met a person who told me, Natalia, I think you're doing something wrong. You need to think about what was the goal when you opened the clinic was to begin with. And my goal was, because I do functional integrative medicine, my goal was to give people back, to help people to be healthy, to kind of give the knowledge that I have to help them live happier life and healthier life. And that goal got lost in the process of acquiring money and being ambitious and being successful, everything that we do. I had to step back. I had to rethink what was I trying to achieve? And when I achieved that, that's when things change. All of a sudden, when I knew the goal and what I was trying to achieve, money started getting back to me. It's interesting to notice, not that I'm reflecting back. Once I shifted the center, I guess the energy that I was putting out was negative energy because I was very stressed the first year I remember myself. It helped me once I recentered it. And it was a different message that I was sending out the money started coming back on its own. I shouldn't say on its own. We still work and we still did a lot of things, but I felt the shift. I am much calmer now. Even when we had the pandemic and we had COVID going on, it was crazy. We didn't know where to be. we declaring bankruptcy, not declaring bankruptcy. Are we moving forward? But once that shift happened, when I had a positive outlook, when I calmed down and relaxed and got centered, things started working out much better. So I feel like what you do and why you're trying to acquire the wealth and money makes a big difference too. And at least that was in my experience and I've seen it so many times. So you need to feel good with your health, with what's going on in your life, have a positive energy going out and you're going to get it all back. And it's going to be much easier to get it back than what you're trying when you're struggling, when you're stressed, when you're not feeling well. 
thank you so much for sharing your personal story. What you're talking about is often referred to in at least coaching circles, but I think also in like corporate development circles is your big why. You want to find out like, why do you want to do this? What is the purpose from a spiritual perspective? And I've worked with a lot of people who channel. So the questions that they want to ask when you're getting information like from the other side or from the universe, what have I come here to be? And spirit's answer is always, you have come here to be just to be. That's why you're here is to be. And when possible, to be in joy. Those are your real purposes. And the people get confused with the question that they're asking is, what have I come here to do? And to do is a choice. Can you be a janitor? Can you be a CEO? Yes, as long as you're the best janitor or the best CEO, that's what is most important because then you are being and you are being in joy. And that's very powerful to realize that your big why, what it did, I believe, and this is something that I've studied a lot, it wasn't just that you put out positive energy, it was that you shifted your focus. Your focus was, I don't have enough money and I need to make more. But think about the law of attraction. In the law of attraction, you don't get what you ask for. You get what you are in vibration with. You get what you are in alignment with. So you were not in alignment with lots of money. You were in alignment with the fact that you didn't have a lot and you needed more. So that was the message that you were sending out to the universe all the time. I don't have and I need more. I don't have and I need more. Scratch that, reverse it. Thank you. And the universe was like, okay, that's what we'll keep bringing her. Not enough. And people get confused about what the law of attraction really does. I know that I did for a very, very long time. So when you want to shift that energetically, you want to say, yes, I have all that I desire already. And then you have to feel that that is true. And when you moved to your place of this is my big why, I am here to help as many people as possible, that energetically shifted into a positive and it took the energy away from your money. And you started thinking about the abundance of helping people and then monetary abundance, because that was the path that you chose is as I help you, you're going to pay me. And now you've written a book to explain to women about who are busy about what to do. And by the way, anything that you mentioned will be in the show notes. And we also keep a reading list. So your books will go on our reading list, but tell everybody about the new book that you have coming out because you want to help people in a new way as well, right? Yes. So part of our practice also deals with sexual wellness. It's a big part of life as well. It's relationship. It's having sexual activities and kind of getting together. And I can see your sexual health affecting your money as well as your mental health affecting your money. Yeah. Big time. So talk about that a little bit as well. Yeah. So when you're not happy in relationship, when you have issues with your sexual health, it causes more stress and definitely affect life as well. And at the same time, when you are overly stressed, when you're not feeling well, that will affect your sexual wellness as well. And I've seen it a lot in the practice. My past experience, I used to work in gynecology settings. So I will deal with a lot of patients coming in, either younger generation coming in and having a polycystic ovary syndrome, a lot of hormonal discomfort, acne, hair loss, a lot of issues at the younger age, or when we get into 
perimenopausal years, we're talking about 30s, 40s, and we're getting to menopause, shift in hormones, stress effect shift in those hormones, decreased libido, no desire in sexual activity. We're talking about decreased sensation in the genital area. So there's a lot of other things that get affected, unfortunately, with stress as well. And we launched our sexual wellness program last year, very successful. We're treating men with erectile dysfunction or just even improving. You don't have to have a problem. There's always a way to improve it. I see a lot of females that have decreased libido, decreased sensation and other issues that they develop. So there's certain treatments for that too. So we eventually, our book is coming out next month. We wrote a book called Sex in the City. It's a great book. We wrote it more. We have fictional characters there. It's not a medical textbook anymore. It's more kind of giving people a way to realize that they don't have to live and suffer in silence. Sexual wellness, it's still the topic or sexual health is a big taboo or people feel ashamed to talk about it. Or they might consider, oh, I don't want to have sex anymore. I have decreased sensation. It's part of aging. I'm getting old. That's why I have an issue. No, it doesn't have to be. There is no limit of when you should stop having sexual activity or enjoy sex life. There is no limitation. I have patients that coming in in the 80s and 90s and still having partnership and kind of looking and experimenting. And it's great. Why not? Actually, <laughs> Why not? statistically, the STDs, uh, the transmitted disease, they go on the rise after menopause because you don't worry about getting pregnant anymore. You don't use protection. So it means that activity is there. So we would like people to enjoy getting in a relationship. You don't have kids anymore if you're in a family. You're done with your career. You don't have to worry about things. So you enjoy the relationship and we want people to enjoy it. So in that book, the message that we're trying to send to people with the book that we wrote that it's okay to talk about it. That's the biggest hurdle for patients to come in and acknowledge that they have a problem and trying to find solution. That's the first step. And that's the hardest step. People, when they come in, it's like, I need to talk to you about something. Okay. What do you like? And it takes them time to tell that I don't feel well, or I don't enjoy sex anymore. I don't have the sex drive. And it could be both. It could be man, woman, whatever. There's different issues that happen in our life. And part of it is hormonal. So we need to address the hormones. A lot of stress address our or affect our hormones as well. So we might need to address stress first before we deal there with the hormones and sex life and everything else. And if you're not happy at home, if you not happy in your relationship, what kind of energy do you think you're putting out? It will affect right, your right. money as well and your wealth because energy, as you said, it's energy. It's not separate from one to another. Everything is connected. So yep, the book is coming out. We're very excited. We put a lot of thought and effort into it. And I hope it will help people to acknowledge that they need to get help if they need it. Don't suffer in silence. Yes, don't suffer in silence. So I'm going to mention that by the time this airs, Sex in the City will actually have come out. So I know that you'll be able to get it. And again, we'll pop it onto our show notes for this. I want to ask, like, I always thought that, like, the amount of sensation that you get is kind of based on the way you're built physically. So is that something really you can change that? That's crazy. I'm talking about, yes, part of it is your physiological. And also there's different things that come into play. But let me explain what can we do to help. What happens naturally as we age, as we go through different stages in life, our hormone production decreases for females. I'm talking about females. And then I will talk about men as well. 
our hormone production decline, that's normal part of aging. You're getting to perimenopause, you're getting into menopause. Our hormones regulate the lubrication, let's say for females in the vaginal area, how much you get the lubricated estrogen is responsible for it. There's definitely less blood flow to the vaginal area and to the genital area, to the clitoris. And that's what causes usually dryness that comes with menopause. And there's a lot of other symptoms that people might experience. Childbirth, especially if it was vaginal childbirth, has some effect on it. The vaginal wall gets more lax. So there's certain treatments that could be done. And I mentioned to you O-shot or orgasm shot we talked about. So uh, something that could be done to enhance or bring more circulation to the area. We're talking about the clitoral area. We're talking about vaginal area. If you have more blood supply, you will have more cells being regenerated and you kind of rejuvenate the genital area. Once you have more blood supply, it builds more nerve endings that are responsible for sensation. And that's what improves sensation, improves orgasm and improves enjoyment of sexual activity. So it's not that I'm changing someone's anatomy or physiologically, but I'm helping person to regenerate the tissues and bring and build more sensation to the area by building new nerve endings in that area. That's the whole process. I know it's a little complicated. That just blows my mind. (laughs) It's like, I feel like it's like micro needling for your face, but in your vagina. So that's just crazy. Similar process, similar analogy. And we could do the same for men as well. As we age, our blood vessels that supply blood flow to the genital to area to the penis in men also start getting destroyed. That's how Viagra works. How does Viagra help? It helps to dilate the vessels, bring more blood flow, help with erection, help with uh, keeping erection longer. What we try to do with our treatments, we try to help the person to build vessels naturally so they don't have to rely on Viagra. So it happens, we build vessels and the same thing, more blood vessels, more blood flow, more nerve endings in the area, better sensation, better erection. So we help person to improve what they have if they don't have yet erectile dysfunction. You don't have to wait until problem occurs. And we help them for someone who has issues with erection, we help them to return the erection that they had before. So. Yeah, Dr. Natalia, creator of the (laughs) orgasm shot. I mean, I just like that just blows my mind. Okay. So that leads me to ask, do people need to like if somebody wanted to work with you, are they flying into New York to do it? Or is do you work remotely as well? Well, consultation we could do remotely, but because it's a physical procedure, they have to come to obviously visit the clinic and get the treatment. But we do have people who travel. We recently treated a couple. And they were traveling three hours almost back and forth to get the treatment because they didn't have anybody doing it in their hometown. And what was interesting about that couple, actually, which make me again rethink our values, this couple, they use silent language. They're not able to talk, husband and wife. And they have four kids. They're both deaf? Yes, they're both deaf. And so they speak, they speak ASL, sign language, yeah. Yes, and they were happy. That's what I was trying to make me again, step back, have four kids, kids are in college, they're successful, both of them are employed. And what was interesting, sexual wellness were a big part of their life. And they've been together for over 25 years. And we help both of them to achieve what they needed help with. And they were very happy and they were very thankful that we were able to return their sex life back. So the values in life, big difference. 
Yeah, I forgot to say this earlier, but I just want to mention, I just got back from my 28th trip to Egypt. It was my 27th tour that I've led there. And Egypt is a great example. Bali is another example. You know, the average income in Egypt monthly is something like $500. It's $400 a month in Bali and US dollars. And Cuba, the average income there is something like 20 US dollars a month because it's all paid by the government and supposedly the government subsidizes everything else. The Cuban people to me are poorer than the Balinese and the Egyptians because they're really limited as to how much money they can make. Like the government is paying you to be a doctor. The government is paying you to be a shop owner, whatever. It's being subsidized. And they're saying, hey, we're taking care of all of your needs, which they don't do well at all. Like it's been Cuba, especially during the pandemic, it was really heartbreaking to me. My family here in Florida is Cuban and because my partner's Cuban. And so I got to hear some of the firsthand stories and it was really a desperate situation. But in general, even when things aren't terrible, terrible, when you go to Cuba, you see happy, smiling faces. When you go to Bali, you see happy, smiling faces. When you go to Egypt, you see happy, smiling faces. I have been in the homes of people who barely live in huts in Egypt, and they'll come in from the field, and they are so happy that you're there, and all they want is for you to share tea with them, and they'll make tea for you, and they don't care that this is their like monthly supply of tea. And of course, we always offer money and much, much more but than the tea costs or whatever, but it's done as an offering not to pay them, but rather to give back in the only way that really we can, because they're sharing their only things. I've crashed weddings in Egypt multiple times, actually. I know an Egyptian, a dear friend of mine who went to Bali, crashed a Balinese wedding. Everyone was like, welcome, welcome, come in. We want to share with you. I cannot imagine in Miami, like having even somebody who is from Miami, let alone like some foreign stranger, like, hey, I just showed up at your wedding. Like, come on in. People would be more like, get out. You weren't invited. And yet we're spending, like I see for weddings here in Miami, you're spending $100,000 on the flowers. You could feed a small country or put all of the children in a Balinese village through college with the amount that we're spending on a wedding on a single day, where even the things that you're buying, the flowers, the food, the whatever, the leftovers are going in the garbage, the flowers are being trashed, they're not even being donated. We see this with all the buffets that we have here. There's rarely, and I'm starting to see it for the very first time, but there's rarely a time when that is being repurposed where the leftover food is going to feed the homeless. Instead, it's just being thrown out. And so we're inside of a culture that will waste when we already have so much. Like if you're the poorest person in America, you're richer than something like 50% of the world. And we have huge numbers that are really disparate compared to what everybody else has. And we have this really, really skewed idea. When you start thinking about the wellness of our world and the wellness of our planet in regards to money. There are really big differences there as well. And I just wanted a chance to share that. So thank you.
No, definitely. And I used to live in Uzbekistan. I grew up in Uzbekistan. And what you shared right now, that was exactly the custom. We didn't have tables at the weddings that were numbered guests. This comes in and this is your place. And this is whatever. It wasn't like this. It was a, you having a wedding and the whole or it was done in someone's, we used to have huge backyards. So we used to do weddings at the backyards as well. And it was whoever comes in, comes in kind of wedding. And we will get, my wedding had 650 people. So it was a big wedding because I have big families. My mom had nine siblings. My dad has seven siblings and consider all the cousins and all the families, all the in-laws and everything else. So we had big families and everybody was welcome. You're absolutely right. Anybody who wanted, who could come through the door would be given a seat and would be able to share in the festivities. Obviously, people will come with presents, but the value system, as I said, was different. The value was different and the way we lived life was different. And when you enter a house of someone who was, as you mentioned, it, on the poorest scale than what we have here, they were still willing to give the last thing that they have, share it with you and be happy that they had a guest over. And so I witnessed it and I grew up in that culture. And we try to keep that up still here as much as we can even though the values change a little bit, but we still have that background, have that upbringing, and we try to live the same life. And again, the more you give, the more universe will send back to you. That's what I've at least seen. And that's what I've at least done all my life. I'm usually a very giving person. That's my personality. That's how I've been raised. And I never had a lack of the right people entering my life. I always had great mentors. I always had great employees working for me that has the same values. And it just happens that those people come to my life by themselves. I can't even explain it. I could meet people on the train and that person becomes a vital part in my life, like accidentally. And I don't know. It's just interesting. There are no coincidences. That is what I believe. So what is one more thing that you want the listeners and viewers of Goddess of Crypto to know? Well, we spoke a lot about values. We spoke about a lot of being positive. And I feel like it comes from within. You cannot make someone else happy. Person has to be happy from inside, right? So and your happiness inside comes from balance, balance of health. First thing, you need to feel good to be able to look good, right? Balance of values that you have in life, balance of having that positive energy to give and to receive. You cannot acquire wealth without giving something back. That's something that I've been raised with. And my grandfather, he had a great saying, when you have an open hand that could give back, there would be always something that could be put on that hand. When you have a fist that's tight, closed, and it keeps to yourself, in a closed box or closed fist, nothing else will enter back. And I think about it all the time. So the more I receive, I try to give the more back. And it always returns back. You're trying to acquire wealth, you need to give back something to get it in return. That's at least my idea. And your health is part of it. You're healthy, you produce positive energy, you will get positive energy back. You will have positive people coming into your life. You will have luck and success coming into your life. You will have if it's money that you want as a wealth, then the wealth would come back. And it doesn't matter if it's in cryptocurrencies, if it's in dollars or whatever else people consider wealth, it's all going to return back to you. 
I totally agree. Dr. Natalia, thank you so much for coming and for bringing your wisdom to Goddess of Crypto. If you liked this episode, please like it, comment it on it and review it. We would love some more reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts and on YouTube. And please share this with your women friends, with your daughters, with your mothers, with your wives, with your sisters. We want every woman in the world to know that the future of finance is female. I will see you next time on Goddess of Crypto. Thank you for having me here, Holly. It's a pleasure and an honor. And I hope I was able to share something that people are going to benefit from. Thank you. Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege, it's your right. <laughs>